0: Hope everybody's doing well today. Welcome to the African History Network show. It is Tuesday, June 22nd, 2021, and we are live. Hope everybody's doing well today. Well, we are back live. I'm back from Atlanta. I was in Atlanta for the ninth annual uh, Juneteenth Festival, Juneteenth Parade and Festival. And uh, I was down there speaking. It was at Centennial Olympic Park. Uh, I was down there speaking, and uh, some of y'all saw my Facebook posts, Insta- uh, social media posts from uh, down in Atlanta. So it was a very interesting time down there. We got rained out a lot on Saturday and started late on Friday. But you know, I saw a lot of people. People liked the information I had to share. Uh, but it was, I mean, it was a chaotic time down there. But still, you know, we made it happen as best we could. So on today's show, uh, I mean, so much has happened. I was interviewed by CBS, uh, channel 46, um, in it, in Atlanta as well. CBS channel 46, uh, a local, uh, news station down there, local news affiliate. And it was uh Friday. Um, people were still, vendors were still setting up at the Juneteenth festival in, uh, Atlanta. And, uh, you know, I'm walking back to my booth and I get stopped by uh, uh, a reporter named Brittany for uh, CBS Local 46. So she's there with a crew man. She's there with a cameraman, Lauren, Same. African-American man. So she stops me and says, you know, I'm wearing the Juneteenth shirt that the organizers wear because it was the shirt from uh, 2019. That was the last time they had it. They, they, that's, that's the last time they had the festival. They didn't have the festival. In uh 2021, I mean in 2020, last year because of COVID 19, of course. So uh, I'm walking back to my booth, and she stops me and she says, "Hey, would you, you know uh mind if we interview you about uh Juneteenth and what's taking place at the festival?" All right, so I said, "Sure, why not?" I warned her from the start. I said, "I'm a historian, okay?" And I'm she said, "You know what? What are you doing here, Juneteenth?" I said, "I'm one of the presenters." I'm speaking on Saturday and Sunday, dealing with The Real History of Juneteenth. I'm one of the presenters, and I'm also a vendor, et cetera. So I, with the interview, it was about seven minutes, but only about 30 seconds made it into the segment <laughs> that they aired. So we'll probably try to air some of that tomorrow. I posted it on my social media platforms. It's also at cbs46.com, cbs46.com. But I did uh, some presentations uh, while I was there at, at the at the festival. And, um, you know, one of the things that I, I, I've experienced this before being in Atlanta, it's the same thing in different cities across the country. It's not specific to Atlanta. Same thing here in Detroit. Um, it, but being in Atlanta for three days and talking to dozens and dozens of our people and asking them questions about history, asking them questions about how many votes does it take to get a bill passed in the House of Representatives? I talked about, I asked about 50 people that question. African-Americans. Nobody could tell me. Nobody can answer the question. Ask them how many seats are in the House of Representatives. Nobody could tell me. Ask them how many seats are in the U.S. Senate. Nobody could tell me. All different ages. Adults. Teenagers. So um, we don't understand that we don't understand. We don't understand that we don't understand. And I was uh, on Friday, uh, June 18th. Friday, that was June 18th, right? Friday, Friday, June 18th. I was interviewed by Angela Matthews on the Urban Information Network, Urban Information News Network. And uh, I, I aired that um, interview uh, a couple of times today on our social media platforms. We're going to share it here with you today because I'm breaking down the real history of Juneteenth. And you've heard me say on this show before, we have to correct the history and protect the history. We have to correct the history and protect the history. So after I aired it, uh, after I re-aired uh, it uh, on our social media platforms, I sent it out to some of my Facebook friends. One of, the, one of my Facebook friends I sent it to was one, one of my teachers, Dr. Leonard Jeffries. Dr. Leonard Jeffries called me. Later today through Facebook. <laughs> he said he was playing around with Facebook trying to see how everything worked. He called me, right? So we talked. <laughs> and I told him I sent him the uh, I, I sent him the video and I explained to him what we were talking about and how all of this Juneteenth is connected to reparations, Juneteenth is connected to the Mississippi State Constitution of eighteen ninety, the Texas State Constitution of eighteen seventy six, the voter suppression that was encoded into these state constitutions. Williams versus Mississippi, US Supreme Court case of eighteen ninety which is a direct result of the Mississippi state constitution of 1890. You've heard me talk about the Mississippi state constitution here when the, uh, man who presided over the convention where they voted on the constitution, his name, he was a white County judge named Solomon Saladin Calhoun. And he said, we are here to exclude the Negro. And this became known as the Mississippi plan, the Mississippi plan to exclude African-Americans from voting. This is in 1890 after the 15th Amendment was passed. And in the Mississippi State Constitution of 1890, it included poll taxes and literacy tests, poll taxes and literacy tests. And then the U.S. Supreme Court case of Williams versus uh, Mississippi of 1898 upheld the poll taxes and literacy tests. You're going to have grandfather clauses of 1898 to exclude African-Americans from voting, which which stated is a, a way to get around the 15th Amendment of 1870. And the grandfather clause stated if your grandfather could not vote because he was a slave, then you can't vote. It's putting obstacles in the way of us voting. Other state legislatures, other states are adopting constitutions that have encoded into encoded into a poll taxes and literacy test like South Carolina and Alabama. And they're modeling at modeling it after what Mississippi did. So when we talk about the Voting Rights Act of 1965 being gutted by, uh, Shelby County versus Holder U.S. Supreme Court case of, uh, 2013, which was a backlash to President Barack Obama being reelected. And Shelby County is in Alabama, which was ground zero for the fight for the 1965 Voting Rights Act. We saw the movie Selma. Shelby County is in Alabama. The Holder, who was the plaintiff, who was the defendant in the Supreme Court case of Shelby County versus Holder, was Attorney General Eric Holder. Shelby County sued Eric Holder and this struck down section five of the Voting Rights Act which dealt with the preclearance. clearance is historic. All this ties into history. Juneteenth is not separate from what's going on today. What's happened is we don't understand history and don't understand how all this is connected. Shelby County versus Holder, what this did was this stated this, this change, this struck down section five of the Voting Rights Act, which stated that states that had a history of putting obstacles in the way of African Americans voting, basically these former Confederate states, these southern states, Alabama, Mississippi, uh, uh, Georgia, all these states, Florida, if they want to make any changes to when, uh, the, the, the amount of hours that polling places are, are open, if they want to make any changes to polling locations, Okay. Anything like that. They want to make any changes to how many weeks you have souls to the polls voting. Okay. They have to get approval from a federal judge. They have to get approval from a federal judge. This is section five of the 1965 Voting Rights Act that most people don't understand, including Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama. Go research Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama and the Voting Rights Act. Because when he was running, he, he was uh, elected in 2020 to the U.S. Senate. Dumbass Tommy Tuberville, former uh, college uh, football coach. He, he was running for the U.S. Senate and he was asked a question about the 1965 Voting Rights Act. He could not explain what it is. And he's from Alabama. And he's voting on bills that impact us, just like he voted today, not to proceed to a debate. On the For the People Act. So the vote that took place today in the U.S. Senate not to proceed with a with a debate on the For the People Act, which would reform, which would strengthen voting rights and help to correct what happened with Shelby County versus Holder. OK, all of this is connected. This is directly related to Juneteenth. And what happened after June 19th, 1865 It's directly connected to the uh, to, to Reconstruction, 1866 to 1867, 1877, 1866 to 1877 is directly related to the Jim Crow laws that are instituted, uh, and, and upheld by law after Plessy versus Ferguson, 1896 U.S. Supreme Court case, which institutes separate but equal. 1898, Williams versus Mississippi. All of this is connected. It's not separate. It's not about a party. Yes, we have been celebrating commemorating Juneteenth since 1866 for 156 years. But it's much bigger than that. So we're going to deal with this on today's show. You see, I have a lot to talk about, right? I haven't been live since Wednesday, June 16th. Uh, But one, New York Times has a big article about a Gallup poll that was taken dealing with Juneteenth. More than 60% of Americans know nothing at all or only a little bit about Juneteenth. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Because you've heard me say before, numerous times, Americans are very ignorant of history. This is not a slant. This is not an attack. This is not a slight. This is the truth. You ask historians, they tell you this. Ask college professors who are historians, they tell you this. Americans are very ignorant of history, regardless of race. So uh, the Juneteenth federal holiday forces America to have a historical conversation that Republicans are passing laws and state legislatures to suppress the teaching of that history. The Juneteenth federal holiday forces America to have a historical conversation about a history that Republicans are passing laws and state legislatures to suppress the teaching of that history all across the country the past few days you've seen stories on uh, msnbc and cnn you've seen numerous articles written in all different publications washington post new york times nbc news uh, uh, uh yahoo uh the uh, thegrio.com the root uh news one all different outlets are having all these articles written about juneteenth all dealing with this history different aspects of it okay uh, nbc has one dinner with how juneteenth uh, We need to deal with Juneteenth and use Juneteenth as a way to talk about closing the racial wealth gap. All of this is connected. So we're going to deal with that. I'm going to share with you the interview that was done that uh, uh, Angela Matthews of uh, uh, Urban Information Network did with me on Friday, June 18th, dealing with uh, Juneteenth history. We have to correct the history and protect the history. And then also we'll talk about uh, uh, Republicans in the uh in the senate today republicans in the senate today uh blocked a debate on the for the people act this is just a, they blocked just having the debate on the for the people act okay it was a 50 50 vote but senator chuck schumer representative james Clyburn, they're saying this is just the beginning this is not the end this is just the beginning all right and we have a new online class starting up on the fourth of july saturday sunday july 4th 2 p.m eastern standard time Ancient Kim at the Moors and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. We've got a lot to talk about. We'll be back in a few minutes. You'll listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, Superstation Future Radio, Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes.
1: 910, The Superstation, Detroit's only African American talk radio.
0: Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, The Superstation, The Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Tuesday. June 22nd, 2021, and we are live. Uh, calling number is 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a quick question or comment. 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a quick question or comment. want to let you know that uh, we have a new online course starting up Sunday, July 4th, the 4th of July. The 4th of July. Originally, I was going to start it the following Sunday, but I said no, Sunday, July 4th. A lot of our people are looking for something to do because they realize that we weren't free in, uh, uh, on July 4th, 1776. They realize that. So they're looking for something to do. They're looking for something dealing with history. Well, I've got something for them. We're going to start with class number one on the 4th of July. That's what Dr. Shaka Musa Barashango called it, the 4th of July. And uh, this is ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school ancient Kemet the Moors and the Ma'afa understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school we deal with thousands of years of history and we deal with what led up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place okay and I do a PowerPoint presentation we have video clips book references articles etc and we have everything um, we posted the link here it's a 10-week online course We do the classes live, all the sessions are recorded. We do the classes live, all the sessions are recorded uh, as well. So you can go back and watch them over and over again, okay? And uh, let me blow this up here. And we have this also at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And she came at the Moors and the Maafa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Uh, We do about 50,000 years, actually more than 50,000 years of history. Uh, we deal with the 800-year occupation of europe by the africans known as the moors and we do what led up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place when we deal with the transatlantic slave trade we can't start in 1441 with the portuguese going into mauritania we can start in 1619 in virginia with the white lion pirate ship coming in and trading about 29 africans who were captured in sierra leone about uh, the portuguese uh, and trade them for water and food stuff, et cetera. We have to go back thousands of years in history and deal with a chronology of what leads to this happening and understanding cause and effect. This is what we do in this online course. We have special guest speakers as well to be announced also. Uh, it's gonna be Sunday, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10-week online course, 10 consecutive Sundays, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. Now, as a special bonus for you, because some people say, well, that's Sunday, July 4th, the 4th of July. What do we do until then? As soon as you register, you can start watching about 14 hours worth of bonus content. You can watch classes one through seven of the current online class that I'm doing on Saturdays. And I'll enroll you in that online course. So our next Saturday class is going to be Saturday, June 26th, 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. So you'll be able to join us live for classes eight through 10 of the Saturday course that's going on right now. And you'll be enrolled for the Sunday course that starts up Sunday, July 4th, uh, 2021, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade where they didn't teach you in school. You haven't seen anything like this before. Um, it's gonna blow you away. We just posted the link right here. Go ahead and register for that. Class is uh, $80. Once again, we do the class live. You can join us live in class. All the sessions are recorded. You can go back and watch it over and over again. And you still have access to the course and still watch it even after the course is over. With, all right. And just so people know, because I had somebody when I was I was registered people for uh, registered a few people for the course when I was in Atlanta. Uh, in the course, you can see me. I can't see you. So it's not like Zoom, like you're in class and Zoom and people can see you. I can't see you. You can be in your pajamas. You can have a bonnet on. It doesn't matter. You can see me. Okay. So just so you understand. All right. All right. Okay. So go ahead and register for that online course. All right. Now on the African history network show, we focus on educating empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right now it's corrects wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man or a woman's thoughts, you can control the compass of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now we deal with a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. We deal with current events and history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. I talked to Kenya K. Stevens of the Juju Mama Love Academy yesterday. We're going to be uh, we're going to be doing a new interview with her. Stay tuned for that. And it's not going to be on 910. It's, it's going to be too hot for 910. I'm telling you right now. It's going to be too hot for 910. But you're going to watch that on uh, uh, our Facebook and YouTube uh, channels as well. So that's coming up also uh, register. Uh, uh, sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet K-E-M-E-T the 22828. The sign up for our email newsletters. Text the word Kemet K-E-M-E-T the 22828. The sign up for our email newsletters. And um also visit our website, African You can sign up for the email newsletter there as well. If you like this type of information, you support the African History Network, dollar sign the AHN Show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AHN Show through Cash App or through PayPal, PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. So we definitely need your support as well. We're here six days a week. This helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, uh, etc. So we definitely need your support. All right. I want to jump into uh, this first topic right here. Uh, We're going to go to clip number one, Shakita. I'm going to go to the interview that Angela Matthews uh, did with me. And this also ties to this story from the New York Times. How uh, most Americans know little or nothing about Juneteenth, a poll finds. There's a Gallup poll that found that more than 60% of Americans know nothing at all or, or, or only a little bit about the Juneteenth holiday. Um, and it, it, see, once again, we have to correct the history and protect the history. I'm going to show you this article in a minute, just after, uh, as soon as we finish with this interview. But uh, it says here in this article from the New York Times the holiday celebrating the end of slavery in the United States. That's when the majority of enslaved Africans in Texas got the news. But some of them were still enslaved going into the net, going into 1866. So this is why I say we have to correct the history and we have to protect the history because I'm hearing people in mainstream media. I'm hearing people on MSNBC reporters misstating the history. That's why we have to have this conversation. How are you going to get reparations to repair the damage of a history of historical events that most people don't even understand? Most educated people don't even understand slavery. This is why this, this federal holiday is so important. It forces this conversation that many people don't want to have. Let's go to, uh, so, uh, Angela Matthews of, uh, urban interests on, uh, uh, UIN interviewed me Friday, February 18th dealing with the history of Juneteenth. Here's how that went down. Press play.
2: Urban interest. Listen, I'm so excited because there is something that's happening that we have been wishing for for a long time. A federal holiday of Juneteenth. We've been celebrating, and everyone is up in arms, and so are we. So we have a special guest with us, Mr. Michael Emoti. He is the founder of the African History Network and he is also a talk show host, a researcher, a lecturer, and a writer. He has, um, hosted national radio shows such as the Warren Valentine Show and, yes, come on now, the Roland Martin Show. talking about big time. He is an avid writer and his articles can be read at the AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And it's also, his articles can be published by, excuse me, YourBlackWorld.net, CultureCritic.com, FinancialJuneteenth.com, and com. So come on here, Mr. Michael, because I'm excited about this.
3: Let's okay. talk All right. How you doing today, Angela?
2: I am doing absolutely wonderful. You know, President Biden signed that legislation making... Right. For a holiday. So House Majority Group, Jim Claiborne, that
3: that was important so explain to us the juneteenth flag you said the juneteenth flag there's a flag Isn't there right, right right well the juneteenth flag is a variation of the uh of the u.s flag so is to uh recognize that um you know in 1776 fourth of july July 4, 1776, when the uh, Declaration of Independence was signed um, by the first four of 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, the majority of African Americans were still enslaved. So this is uh, designed for us to have something of our own. uh, And it's red, black, and green as well, which are the colors of the uh, Pan-African flag, um, which was created by uh, Marcus Garvey and the Universal Negro Improvement Association. It was adopted uh, in August of 1920 at their international convention. Uh, more importantly than the flag is to understand Juneteenth and the history behind Juneteenth. And and we have to correct the history, but also protect the history of Juneteenth, because it's going to be commodified, and we have to get out in front of that and shut this down. Walmart and these other stores should not be selling Juneteenth uh, uh, merchandise, because African-Americans have been celebrating Juneteenth since 1866 in various ways, and African-Americans have been selling that merchandise, okay? So, uh, Juneteenth, 1865, June 19th, 1865 commemorates when Major General Gordon Granger delivers uh, what's known as General Order Number 3 to enslaved Africans in uh, Galveston, Texas, all right? He arrived the day before, he arrives with about 2,000 troops, majority of them are African-American troops, and they are enforcing the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, from January 1st, 1863. Uh, the war is for all practical purposes over now. It ends basically April uh, 1865 when General Robert E. Lee surrenders to uh, General U- Ulysses S. Grant. But Texas is more removed from the war. Major battles don't take place in Texas. You have slave owners who flee other Confederate states and go into Texas. And take their slaves with them. So Texas is more more removed, and they had got had not gotten the news that uh, the war was over and the slaves were free. Now, the Emancipation Proclamation did not free the enslaved Africans January first, 1, eighteen sixty-three. This is why we have to correct the history because there's a lot of misinformation floating around in media, especially white-owned media, dealing with this. read, when you go to loc.gov, which is the Library of Congress website. Or archives.gov, which is National Archives, and you actually read the Emancipation Proclamation. It was a military strategy from Lincoln, President Lincoln, and it states that the the slaves in territories or states in rebellion are free as of January first, eighteen sixty-three. But slaves that are still in the border states—Maryland, Kentucky, Missouri, Delaware—they're still slaves. Slaves who were in uh, Territories that had succeeded from the Union but came back under Union control, they're still slaves. The Emancipation Proclamation did not free the enslaved Africans. Okay. It's going to be the 16th, it's going to be the 13th Amendment ratified December 6, 1865, with Georgia ratifying it. That's what's going to legally free the slaves. All right. So we can commemorate June 19th when the majority of those Africans in uh, Galveston got the message, and they're going through different parts of Texas delivering this message. Okay. There's 250,000 enslaved Africans in Texas at the time. They're going through different parts of Texas. They're going to continue to deliver the message the next day to different parts of Texas. So June 19th was a date that was settled on to commemorate this. Okay.
1: But we have to get the history straight with this.
2: All right. (laughs) Now I'm glad that you are um, a historian because I've heard some different variations of it as well and so what were the different variations that you heard well that um basically not that that there was there were slaves who were still enslaved that everyone became
3: free and so when everyone became free when in 19 in 1865 so Well, well uh when they so as as the Union troops are going through different areas of the Confederacy, taking back control of, of those lands, they're enforcing the Emancipation Proclamation. But this is a proclamation. They have to change the 13th, they have to change the Constitution. They have to amend the Constitution for slaves to legally be freed because the Constitution sanctions slavery. Article 4, Section 2 of the U.S. Constitution laid the foundation for the Future of the Slave Acts of 1793 and 1850. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so they have to amend the Constitution with the 13th Amendment, and then the Fourteenth Amendment gives uh, citizenship rights to uh, African Americans, then the 15th Amendment of 1870 guarantees the right to vote to African American men, it doesn't apply to women at this time, but African American men. So, uh, you're going through a process, you're going through a process of these territories being brought back into the Union, brought back under Union control. And these various states have to then vote, their state legislatures have to then vote to ratify the 13th Amendment as well. That's that's part of the ratification process or the process to amend the U.S. Constitution, okay? To amend the U.S. Constitution, um, a bill has to pass both the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate by two-thirds majority vote. Then it has to be ratified by three-quarters of the state legislatures by two-thirds majority vote. All right, so this part is part of that ratification process as well for the Thirteenth Amendment. So we can commemorate uh, uh, June nineteenth, eighteen sixty-five, but we have to understand the real history. And then uh, Juneteenth connects us to voting rights. It connects us to the voter suppression tactics that take place after the Fifteenth Amendment is ratified. It connects us to in Texas. Texas, the Texas State Constitution of 1866, which has which has a purity of the ballot box clause in it, which it, which leads to what are known as all white primaries, like the all-white primaries of nineteen eighteen. It connects it to the Mississippi State Constitution of 1890, where they voted to execute poll taxes and literacy tests. So it connects the to voting rights, it connects it to reparations, repairing the damage of slavery and the legacy of slavery, because when uh the, the emancipation takes pregnant when Africans are free, we're free largely without reparations, without giving land, giving tools, giving uh, money, anything like that, and 40 acres and a mule, special field order number 15, that land is largely going to be taken back by President Andrew Johnson, who succeeds Lincoln after Lincoln's assassinated in April of 1865, and he's going to give all that land back to the Confederacy for the most part. Okay, so all of this is so people want to talk about reparations. Juneteenth is directly related to reparations. You're talking about the legacy of slavery. You're talking about what happened during Reconstruction, 1865 to 1877. Uh, so these two are inter, they interconnect.
2: Michael, you have given us <laughs> a thorough history lesson about, I don't know, maybe five to seven minutes, maybe 10, but it's Nation that we definitely should we should know. Absolutely. A deal that passed unanimously in the Senate.
3: However, there were 14 Republican lawmakers. Mm-hmm. That doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me. You're dealing with the you're dealing with the white nationalist party. You're dealing with the party that 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 many of them support the insurrections. You had 147 Republican traitors who voted not to certify the 2020 presidential election. OK, uh, on January 6th, you had 147 who voted. The, now, it's important for people to watch what's taking place. Go to govtrack.us, govtrack.us. You can track these bills in Congress and you can see who supports them. Go to congress.gov. Hey,
0: pa- pause it right there for pause it right there okay. for a minute, Shakita. Pause it right there for a minute. Just back it up about 20, 30 seconds or so. Um, Calling numbers 313-778-7600 if you have a quick question or comment. GovTrack.us. See, we we have to study these bills that are being proposed and being voted on Congress.gov. Uh, number one, you can read the bills there that come out of the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate Congress.gov and GovTrack.us. You can track you can track the bills and who votes for them. OK. Uh, when I talked about the Texas state constitution is 1876, not 1866. I was talking quickly and <laughs> we didn't have much time left. And this was before I had to go to the, uh, that interview was on Friday. I got into Atlanta Thursday night. That was before I had to go to the, uh, uh, Juneteenth festival on Friday and, and set up my booth and all that stuff. Get ready. Okay. Um, so we have to understand this chronology of history. Now, uh, and all of this is connected. OK, now, after this interview, then we're going to go to what happened today in the U.S. Senate where uh Republicans blocked the moving forward with just the, just debating the for the people act, just debating the for the people act. OK, not voting on the for the people act, just debating it. The article that I had up here. We'll go back to this clip in just a second. The article that I had up here we've talked about this numerous times before I was in Atlanta explaining this to people. Nobody, most African-Americans I I explained this to in Atlanta did not know about this. Read this article from the Washington Post. You're going to hear me say read R E a D a number of times. You've already heard it a number of times in this show. Okay. There was a reason why was the reason why most States made it illegal for enslaved Africans to read and write. Cause they knew one, if we learn how to read and write one, we want to be free Two. One of the things that, see, there's a direct correlation between being able to read and write and freedom. Because when you can read and write, then you can start better understanding laws. When you can understand laws, you can dismantle this stuff and see where the loopholes are, disarm the mother's weapon and start using it against them. When, one of the things that we started, one of the things that we did when we learned to read and write is start writing our own freedom papers and running away. This is one of the reasons why they made it illegal. Go research this we started writing our own freedom papers and running away because when you look at the, um, the slave patrollers, right? Most of them were illiterate white men who couldn't read. So you can give them any piece of paper and say, these are my freedom papers. And if you go look at the original roots with John Amos and Leslie Uggams and, and uh, Lou Gossett Jr. The original roots, uh, there's a scene where Kizzy son of Conte Kente and Bale of daughter of K- uh, Kute Kente and Bill Kizzy learns to read and write there's a teenage uh male slave on the plantation who she likes uh played by Lawrence Hilton Jacobs she writes a freedom she writes a travel pass for him okay and he runs away he gets caught brought back and uh the 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 slave catcher who brings it back gives the travel pass to their slave owner and says he had this on him. He finds out it was Kizzy who wrote it and then he sells Kizzy off. That's why Kizzy was sold off because she learned to read and write and she wrote a travel pass for a slave. He used a travel pass to run away. We have, we don't understand our history. If you don't understand history, you don't understand what's taking place right now today. This is a continuation of all of that. Okay. So read this article here from Washington post. The Mississippi plan to keep blacks from voting in 1890. "Quote: We came here to exclude the Negro." Well, that's what Republicans just did today in the U.S. Senate. They're trying to exclude the Negro. Okay, uh, let's go back to this clip, Shakedam. Republican lawmakers. That
3: doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me. You're dealing with the, you're dealing with the white national party. You're with a party that, that, that many of them support the insurrections. You had 147 Republican traitors who voted not to certify the 2020 presidential election, okay, uh, on January 6th. You had 147 who voted. But now, it's important for people to watch what's taking place. Go to GovTrack.us. GovTrack.us. You can track these bills in Congress, and you can see who supports them. Go to congress.gov and read these bills okay congress.gov and read the bills the george floyd justice and policing act passed the house of representatives march 3rd 2021 by so vote to 220 to 212. 212 republicans voted no on the george floyd justice and policing act after they sat there and cried and talked about how wrong it was what happened to george floyd no republicans voted for the bill the 1.9 trillion dollar american rescue plan no republicans in the house of representatives of the u.s senate voted for the bill H.R. 40 is in the House of Representatives right now. It passed out of the House Judiciary Committee two or three months ago for the first time in 32 years, originally introduced by uh, the Honorable John Hyers from 13th Congressional District. Now it's sponsored by Representative Sheila Jackson Lee of Texas, who also is the one who sponsored the Juneteenth bill from Texas, because this deals with Texas. Reparations and Juneteenth are interconnected. Anybody that lies to you and tells you they're not, they don't know what they're talking about. 100 of about 188 uh members of the house of representatives that have signed off to support hr 40. None of them are republicans, none of them are republicans. So we can see the we can see the ideology of the party. So of the republican party, gop. So I'm either democrat or republican. I'm not sure that I ain't stupid. I can see who consistently supports bills that benefit African Americans, and I can see who consistently vote against those bills and are obstructionists to those bills. So, uh yeah, I'm not surprised it was 14. I, I'm surprised it, was, it wasn't more than 14, to tell you the truth. Well, Michael, what you have said is definitely
2: true with people. I, I say we need to stay woke. I think we're sleeping a little bit. I think we've gotten a little bit comfortable with what's happening and what's going on, because we know that there's over 90 voter suppression bills and or has been passed. That's trying to make it harder for us to vote in the upcoming year.
3: 400. It's close to 448 state legislatures that are being pushed by Republicans. It's close to 400 bills. It's about, by, last count was about 381 bills in 48 state legislatures. We we don't understand the white backlash that always comes after periods of uh, perceived gains by African Americans uh, In the Reconstruction, 1877. With Rutherford B. Hayes becoming uh, the Republican candidate for president, becoming president, and the Republicans agreed with the uh, they agreed to compromise with the Democrats and remove the Union troops out of the South that were largely enforcing the rights of African Americans. And this is what ends Reconstruction. You see a backlash to the Civil Rights Movement with the election of Richard Nixon, okay, and, and, and who ran on the platform of law and order. You see a backlash to two terms of President Barack Obama with the uh, election of Donald Trump, who ran on the platform of Law & Order. You see uh, a backlash with the attack on critical race theory and the attack on the 1619 Project, which was a backlash to the summer of 2020 and the Black Lives Matter protests and the protests of George Floyd, all this. This is always a backlash, okay? And and we see this, and, 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 and then they attack you, usually not in the streets, they attack you in the courts and they attack you in the legislatures. Because they're dealing with law. Many of us don't understand law. We don't understand how to perceive these attacks coming. Because you guys I knew it was coming. And we don't understand how to defend against these attacks. We have to understand political self-defense.
2: All right. Um, I will, I will um, agree with you on this. We can go into this um, a little bit further. However, um, we're kind of wrapping up with you. So I want to bring it back to the celebration of this particular moment. So yes. Yeah. How- that we celebrate, African American families celebrate this mon- monumental time and are there any events in the area that you can share
3: that Well, well there, there are events taking place all, all over uh, Detroit. I'm actually in Atlanta right now because I'm here for the three-day Juneteenth Festival in Atlanta and I'll be speaking there Saturday and Sunday at the, the Centennial Olympic Park uh, but you can probably Google Juneteenth Detroit. There are celebrations taking place. This is a time for us to study the history, not, commem- not just commemorate those enslaved Africans getting the message. And it's also very important to understand some slave owners in Texas kept the message away from slaves and kept them enslaved for an additional year. One of them was a white woman named Martha Gibbs because the, the involvement of white women in, in slavery is much greater than we thought. Professor Stephanie E. Jones Rogers in her book in uh, 2019, I think it was, or 2018 called They They Were Her Property, details this, how from 1850 and 1860, uh, about 40% of slave owners were white women okay so we need to come together as family commemorate what happened in 1865 study the history correct the history use that as a foundation to give us our values and interests and our principles use that to empower ourselves economically and politically so this is a very very important time and continue to push for reparations we have to leverage this to push to repair the damage to push to get these other bills passed through Congress as well
2: all right. We're going to drop the mic right there because I think...
3: All right. And visit my website, africanhistorynetwork.com also. Okay. Say it again because I don't want to overtalk talk you. Oh, africanhistorynetwork.com.
2: All right. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Appreciate you. And, hey, success on...
0: all right so that was uh angela matthews of urban interests on uh urban information news network interviewed me visit their website detiptv.com, detiptv.com. dot com, and i've been what re- that that was from uh friday june 18th 2021 i was in atlanta but they were they, they're here in detroit and they were interviewing me through zoom so we've been sharing that uh broadcast on our social media platforms the african history network on uh facebook and uh, michael Hotel on youtube all right uh very quickly here uh, i want to go to uh because we're going to run out of time here on that 10 a.m superstation those watching on our facebook fan page the african history network the african history network and my youtube channel michael Hotel. keep listening we're going to keep going on uh i want to switch gears right here very quickly we'll come back to the a uh, story from the New York Times in the poll dealing with how 60 percent, more than 60 percent of Americans know nothing at all or only a little bit about Juneteenth. Now, if that's the case. How much do you think they know about the history of slavery? There has to be a massive history lesson. There has to be a massive education lesson. To be able to get reparations for historical events that most Americans don't even understand. But I want to go to clip two here, Shakita. So what took place here in the state legislature is a continuation of the Mississippi State Convention of 1890, the Texas State Convention, the state uh, the Mississippi State Constitution of 1890, the Texas State Constitution of 1876, Louisiana State Constitution of 1898, Williams versus uh Ma- uh, Williams versus, uh Mississippi of eighteen ninety-eight. This is a continuation of all of that. Uh Republicans in the in the U.S. Senate voted to block a debate on the for the people uh, act. Okay, the the, the vote, the uh, the voting rights uh, bill that's going to shut down what a lot of these Republican state legislatures are doing. Uh, I wanna go to this clip from NBC Nightly News, Senate Republicans block Democrats uh, election overhaul bill. Let's go to this clip, Shakita. Republicans
1: tonight blocking a Democratic voting bill that would have overhauled the country's election system.
4: They don't even wanna debate it because they're afraid. They want to deny the right to vote, make it harder to vote for so many Americans.
1: Dubbed the For the People Act, it includes a requirement that states provide same-day voter registration, sets up a public financing system for congressional elections, and requires presidential candidates release their tax returns. Democrats calling the bill a way to push back against new state voting laws passed by Republicans. I'm going to fight like heck. With every tool at my disposal for its passage, but Republicans tonight slamming the bill as a partisan power grab by Democrats that would federalize elections, including preventing states from requiring voter ID. I think it'd be more aptly described as screw the people. Um, it, It will it will make it much easier to cheat in an election. With the bill short of the required 60 votes, some Democrats pushing for a dramatic change to Senate rules. But like Joe Manchin, Arizona's Kirsten Sinema showing no sign she'd support that. Senator, what do you say to Democrats who are disappointed by your op about the filibuster? Feeling like maybe they could still change your mind. My <laughs> Democrats are comparing this vote to round one of a boxing match, vowing to fight on to find some way to pass this bill. Today, I want to drill down on the numbers.
0: Okay. Um, so that's from NBC Nightly News. Uh, so they all said they're going to press on. This is just the beginning. This is not the end. This is just the beginning of the fight. Um, So you're going to continue to hear more about this. Read the article from uh, NBC News dealing with uh, voting legislation blocked in Senate as Republicans unite for filibuster, as Republicans unite for filibuster. Uh, We know the filibuster is a relic of the Jim Crow past. It came into existence by accident as well. It's not something in the U.S. Constitution. Uh, we're we're going to talk about briefly the article from uh, Washington Post, Senate Republicans block debate on the elections bill uh, dealing blow to uh, Democrats voting rights push. Uh, I want to let you know also that the uh, my Juneteenth presentation, uh, my Juneteenth lecture, uh, it, it's uh, available right now at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, African History Network dot com as well um, it's a uh, almost three-hour presentation we have it on uh, digital download and it is on uh, DVD as well uh, Juneteenth e- uh, Emancipation Day not Independence Day and I break down all this history It's on sale $10 uh, so check that out there as well be sure to register for my new online course ancient Kemet the moors and my offer understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school uh, register for that at African History Network.com as well. We'll post a link here. Remember, right now, scratch wrong behavior is not over till we win Wakanda forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Stand by, everybody. Stand by. OK, so this is uh, my latest uh, uh, lecture here. And we deal with the real history of Juneteenth. Why it's Emancipation Day, not Independence Day. We never got our 40 acres in a mule. Dr. King's Poor People's Campaign. We're coming to get our check. Also deal with how Malcolm X is calling for a unification of the civil rights leaders uh while he was still in the Nation of Islam as well. Okay, this is the 2021 version. I did this uh presentation June 16th, 2021. It's in DVD format and digital download format. Right now at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Okay. We're going to post the links here. Uh, we'll post it, uh, for DVD and digital download. It's on, and it's on the homepage of AfricanHistoryNetwork.com as well. If you, uh, when you register for, uh, my new online course that starts up Sunday, July 4th, Sunday, July 4th, my new online course, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. When you register for the new online course, you'll get this digital download free. Okay, when you register for my new online course that starts up Sunday, July 4th, the 4th of July, when you register for that online course, it's uh, a course is $80, 10 week online course, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Maafa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade where they didn't teach you in school. When you register for the online course, you'll get uh, a digital download of my new lecture, Two hour plus lecture done with the real history of Juneteenth. You'll get that, uh, digital download for free. Okay. And we'll post a link here to register for, uh, the online course also. Okay. Cause you don't want to miss this. It starts up Sunday, uh, July 4th, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 week online course, Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. All right. Let's continue here. And if you want to also, if you want to um, advertise with the African History Network, email us at uh AHN show at African History Network dot com. ahnshow show at African History Network dot com to uh, advertise with the African History Network. OK, so when we look at the. Um, when we look at the. What took place uh, today. And I want to look at the article here from the uh, Washington Post. Uh, Senate Republicans block. Senate Republicans block debate on elections bill dealing blow to Democratic uh, Democrats voting rights push. And this is dealing with the for the people act. All right. So we knew this was going to happen. You need 60 votes to proceed to the next step. There are only 50 Democrats in the Senate which means you need 10 Republicans. We're dealing with the white nationalist party. So none of them, none of them are gonna vote even to proceed just to a debate. None of them are going to vote just to proceed to a debate on this. And this is why when you vote against us, we need to vote against you. It's that simple. You continue to vote against us and vote against our interests. We need to vote against you and put you out of office. This is why they're trying to suppress the vote because Republicans know if the For the People Act passes, they're not going to win any more presidential elections. They're not going to take. They're not going to win the majority of the House of Representatives. They're not going to win the majority in the U.S. Senate. They know people are going to clean house because many Republicans support Biden's American Rescue Plan. Many Republicans support Biden's infrastructure plan. Many Republicans support the For the People Act, including the majority of the people in general in the state of West Virginia, where Joe Manchin is. They know this. Okay, so this is a day of reckoning. Now, I want to go to uh, I want to go to clip number two here. And this is from. uh, MSNBC, and let me cue this up and we'll go to this article here in just a second here Um, on the beat with Ari Melber. uh, We heard uh, Senator Chuck Schumer, uh, Senate Majority Leader. And keep in mind, even though Democrats are in control of the Senate, most bills, you need 60 votes. There's only 50 Democrats. which means you need 10 Republicans to vote for. It. All right. It's just unless it it's it a bill that can pass through the budget recon- reconciliation process, which is a very narrow scope. Most bills don't qualify for that. The 40 People Act doesn't qualify for that. H.R. 40, no reparations bill that don't qualify for that. You're going to need 60 votes. This is why when I hear people talk about reparations and reparations now, my response, you know my response to them. My response is reparations how? Explain to me the process. Explain to me, show me the 10 Republicans that support reparations. They don't exist. As you just heard in the interview that Angela Matthews did with me, there are about 188 co-sponsors of HR 40 in the House of Representatives. 188 members of the House of Representatives has signed on to support and vote for HR 40, okay? And that's a bill to do a study on reparations, which is needed because Americans are very ignorant of history to study reparations, the impact that slavery, Jim Crow segregation, all that still has on African-Americans today and to make recommendations for reparations. That's all H.R. 40. Go to Congress.gov and read H.R. 40 from the 117th Congress. This is the 117th Congress that is in existence, is in session right now. They were sworn in January 3rd, 2021. All the people that no Republicans in the House of Representatives support HR 40. It takes 218 votes to get any bill passed in House of Representatives. You got 188 people uh, support it. They're basically all Democrats. There may be one or two Independents, but they're, in general, they're all Democrats. I mean, Democrat and Republican, but I sure as hell ain't stupid. I see this group over here. Even though I disagree with them on some things, the majority of them keep voting for bills and policies that are beneficial to us this group over here consistently keeps voting against those bills and obstructing them. Just like what we saw today. This is why we have to vote. Do we have to understand math? It takes two eighteen in the house and 60 in the Senate in general. We have to understand math. So we have to vote people out of office who keep voting against us. You vote against us. We're going to vote against you. We have to vote people out of office that keep voting against us and we have to vote people, in office, we have to keep people in office who keep voting for us and keep voting for bills and policies that are beneficial to us and we advocate for and vote vote more people in the office who do that and run more candidates and fire these people who keep voting against our own interests. It's a math it's a math problem. If you don't have two eighteen in the house then it's not it's not gonna pass. If you don't have sixty in the Senate, it's not gonna pass. Unless it's like uh, uh, judges or something like that, it may be fifty one. Okay, fifty uh, fifty one, forty-nine, what have you. But if you don't have sixty, it ain't gonna happen. It's a math problem. So we created math, but oftentimes we don't understand math. All right, now I wanna go to um this uh I wanna go to this clip here. This is Senator Chuck Schumer on the uh Senate floor after the vote was taken, not to proceed to debate on the uh, for the people act. Okay. This is not the end of this. This is just, we, everybody knew that this was going to happen. They knew that Republicans were not going to vote for this. I mean, if I mean, no Republicans in the house or the Senate voted for the $1.9 trillion American rescue plan that was going to help uh, uh, Republicans that voted to put them in office and poor Republicans, things like this, middle-class, none of them voted for that bill. So this wasn't surprising. All right, let me see. Let's go back to. Hold on, let me pull this back up. Just one second. Let me go back to this clip here. All right, everybody, share this broadcasting and social media platforms. Invite your friends to tune in also. Because this type of information you won't find most places. Uh,
3: Just one second. I'm trying to get back
0: to. Okay, let's go to this clip here.
4: Clear about what just happened on the Senate floor. Every single Senate Republican, me
0: back it up clear okay.
4: about what just happened on the Senate floor. Every single Senate Republican just voted against starting debate, starting debate on legislation to protect Americans' voting rights. Once again, the Senate Republican minority has launched a partisan blockade of a pressing issue here in the United States Senate, an issue no less fundamental and the right to vote. Do we have order, Mr. Pre- Madam President?
2: The Senate will be in order.
4: I've laid out the facts for weeks. Republican state legislatures across the country are engaged in the most sweeping voter suppression in 80 years, capitalizing on and catalyzed by Donald Trump's big lie. These state governments are making it harder for younger, poorer, urban, and non-white Americans to vote. Earlier today, the Republican leader told reporters that, quote, regardless of what may be happening in some states, there's no rationale for federal intervention. The Republican leader flatly stated that no matter what the states do to undermine our democracy, voter suppression laws, phony audits, partisan takeovers of of local election boards, the Senate should not act. My colleagues, my colleagues, if senators 60 years ago held that the federal government should never intervene to protect voting rights, this body would have never protected, passed the Voting Rights Act. The Republican leader uses the language and the logic of the Southern senators in the 60s who defended states' rights, and it is an indefensible position for any senator, any senator, let alone the majority leader, minority leader, to hold. And yet that was the reason given for why Republicans voted in lockstep today. Regardless of what may be happening in some states, there is no rationale for federal intervention. That is both ridiculous and awful. All we wanted to do here on the floor was to bring up the issue of voting rights and debate how to combat these vicious, oftentimes discriminatory, voting restrictions. And today, every single Democratic senator stood together in the fight to protect the right to vote in America. The Democratic Party in the Senate will always stand united to defend our democracy. I spoke with President Biden earlier this afternoon as well. He has been unshakable in his support of S-1, and I want to thank the President and the Vice President for their efforts. But regrettably, regrettably, our efforts were met by the unanimous opposition of the the Senate minority. Once again, Senate Republicans have signed their names in the ledger of history alongside Donald Trump, the big lie, and voter suppression to their enduring disgrace. This vote, I'm ashamed to say, is further evidence that voter suppression has become part of the official platform of the Republican Party. Now, Republican senators may have prevented us from having a debate on voting rights today. But I want to be very clear about one thing. The fight to protect voting rights is not over, by no means. In the fight for voting rights, this vote was the starting gun not the finish line. Let me say that again. In the fight for voting rights, this vote was the starting gun, not the finish line. As many have noted, including my friend, Senator Warnock, this morning, when John Lewis was about to cross that bridge in Selma, he didn't know what waited for him on the other side. He didn't know how long his march would be. And his ultimate success was never guaranteed. But he started down that bridge anyway. Today, Democrats started our march to defend the voting rights of all Americans. It could be a long march, but it's one we are going to make. Today, we made progress. For the first time in this Congress, we got all 50 Democrats unified behind moving forward on a strong and comprehensive voting rights bill. And make no mistake about it. It will not be the last time that voting rights comes up for a debate in the Senate. Republicans may want to avoid the topic, hoping that their party's efforts to suppress votes and defend the big lie will go unnoticed. Democrats will not allow that. Democrats will never let this voter suppression be swept under the rug. We have several serious options for how to reconsider this issue and advance legislation to combat voter suppression, we are going to explore every last one of our options. We have to. Voting rights are too important, too fundamental. This concerns the very core of our democracy and what we are about as a nation. So we will not let it go. We will not let it die. This voter suppression cannot stand. And we are going to work tirelessly to see that it does not stand. I yield the
0: floor. Okay, that was Senator Chuck Schumer after uh, the vote was taken on proceeding to a debate on the For the People Act, not actually voting on the For the People Act, proceeding to a debate on the For the People Act in the U.S. Senate. Republicans, so the vote was 50 50 along party lines. Republicans voted. Not to proceed to a debate. What are they afraid of? If your argument is so strong, why don't you even want to hear what Democrats have to say? Why? Why are you afraid of having a debate on the bill? What are you afraid of? Okay. Now I want to go to this article quickly here from, uh, we showed you the one from NBC news. I want to go to this one here from, um, Washington post very quickly. Then I want to go to this clip from, um, uh, Representative Clyburn, Representative James Clyburn, uh, uh, House Majority Whip, was uh, interviewed by Chris Hayes on All In With Chris Hayes today as well. And he said this is just the beginning of the process. This is just the beginning of the process. This is the same thing that Sherilyn Eiffel uh, said as well. She was interviewed on. Um, I think she was interviewed by Chris Hayes today also um, from the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Okay, so let's look at this one. Uh, let's look part of this article here quickly from um, Washington Post. Uh, let me see, where is this? Okay. Uh, Senate Republicans block debate on elections bill dealing blow the Democrats voting rights push. Now, the Senate Republicans banded together on Tuesday, June 22nd. And you know, it's interesting that this took place, uh, this deals with voting rights, right? And it's interesting that this this took place on um, June 22nd, because yesterday, June 21st, was the anniversary of Goodman, Schwerner and Cheney, the three civil rights workers being killed June 21st, 1964, in Philadelphia, Mississippi. And they were there. Uh, this is 1964. So this is surrounding the uh the civil rights act of 64 they're registering people, uh, organized people to register to vote, these things like this. Okay. So this vote here to block a debate on the, for the people act came a day after the anniversary of Goodman, Shorn and Cheney being killed in uh, uh, June 21st, 1964 and the, for the people act is needed because Shelby County versus Holder 2013 U S Supreme court case struck down section five of the 1965 voting rights act. All this is connected. All this is connected. Okay. And also very, very quickly before we go to this, I just, I just thought about this when uh, when the clips was playing and, um, I, I was talking about the Mississippi state constitution of, um, Mississippi State Constitution of uh, 1890, right? So to, to to bring this all together, to because to, a lot of people think, oh, that's ancient history, stuff like that. Well, I know ancient history. I'm telling you right now, this is not ancient history, okay? But to, to bring this all together, you you remember me talk, talking about Zara Cully, right? Zara Cully was Mother Jefferson. On the Jeffersons, okay, and uh, when it was the, I think it was her birthday. We talked about Mother Jefferson here, Zara Cully, veteran actress. Okay, now Zara Cully died in 1978. Okay, and when she passed away, you know they they, they wrote that into the um, TV show, The Jeffersons. Okay, um, but a lot of people don't know when Zara Cully was born. Zara Cully was born January 26, 1892. Okay? Zara Zara Cully, I I want you to understand this. We, We watch the Jeffersons. We watch Mother Jefferson. Okay? We watch her, she doesn't like Louise and things like this, right? But we don't understand that she was living history and where she fell into history. Zara Cully was born two years after the Mississippi State Constitution was voted on in 1890 to exclude African-Americans and institute poll taxes and literacy tests. She was born in 1892. She was born two years after that, two years after the Mississippi State Constitution of 1890 was voted on. She was born three years before Frederick Douglass died. Frederick Douglass, the great abolitionist, Frederick Douglass died in 1895. Zora Cully was born in 1892. She was born two years after the Mississippi State Constitution was voted on. She was voted. She was she was she was born three years uh, before Frederick Douglass died. She was born four years before Plessy versus Ferguson, U.S. Supreme Court case in 1896. She was born 27 years after slavery ended and the Civil War ended in 1865. She's born 27 years after June 19th, 1865. This is not that far. This is not that long ago. So when we watch the Jeffersons. We have to and we see Mother Jefferson Zara Cully. We have to understand how all this is not that long ago and how this is all connected. She died in 1978. That's 10 years after. Dr. King was assassinated April 4th, 1968. Okay. And that's uh uh thirteen years uh, after Malcolm X was assassinated, February twenty first, nineteen sixty five. Fifteen years after Mega Evers was assassinated, June twelfth, nineteen sixty three. We just commemorated this uh, the uh, the death and assassination of uh uh a uh, Mega Evers here. He was thirty seven when he was assassinated. Dr. King and Malcolm X they were both thirty nine when they were assassinated. This stuff was not that long ago. Nineteen seventy eight when she died, this was uh. Thirteen years after the Voting Rights Act, uh nineteen sixty-five was signed into law, and fourteen years after the Civil Rights Act of sixty-four was signed in law. So she was born two years after the Mississippi State Constitution was voted on in 1890 and instituted poll taxes and literacy tests to exclude the Negro. She was born two years after that, and she dies. Uh, 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 13 years after the 1965 Voting Rights Act is passed and signed into law. All this is connected and it's not that long ago. And the white nationals part of the GOP, they are focused on taking us back before the Civil Rights, uh, before the Voting Rights Act in 1965. This is Jim Crow 2.0. They're focused on taking us back before that. They're trying to exclude the Negro and a whole bunch of other people. So let's look at this right here. Uh, Senate Republicans block debate on elections bill dealing blow to Democrats voting rights push. So Senate Republicans banded together Tuesday, June 22nd to block a sweeping democratic bill that would revamp the architecture of american democracy dealing a grave blow to efforts to federally override dozens of gop-based state voting laws like sb202 in georgia all right the test vote which would have cleared the way to start debate on voting legislation failed 50 50 on straight party lines 10 votes short of the supermajority needed to advance legislation in the senate because of the filibuster rules, you need uh, uh, 60 votes to be able to proceed to the next step, as opposed to a simple majority of 51. OK, so there's 50 Democrats, 50 Republicans, the two independents, Senator Angus King of Maine and Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont. They caucus with the Democrats. So it's 50 50. But you need 10 Republicans, you are gonna need 10 Republicans for the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Now, they're now they've been making progress. On Senator Tim Scott was interviewed today, they've been making progress on the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, which is a very comprehensive bill. That's H.R. 1280. Go to Congress.gov and read it and read a summary of it. Read what's in it. Then nine, there are at least nine different sections of it. We talked about that here on this show and gone through and broken down what's in the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Everybody talks about qualified immunity. That's not the most important thing in it. That's just what they've been talking about in the media. That's why you have to go read qualified immunity is not the most important thing in the George Floyd justice and policing act because that just deals with civil lawsuits. That just deals with paying out money. The most important thing in that bill is lowering the standard to be able to prosecute police officers at the federal level from willful intent down to negligence from willful. Willful intent is a very hard standard to prove. You have to prove that the officer willfully intended To deprive someone of the civil rights, not that they actually did deprive someone of the civil rights. It goes to state of mind. It's a very high standard to meet. It's very hard to prove. You have to prove that they willfully intended to deprive someone of the civil rights. Not that they actually did deprive someone of the civil rights. Okay, it goes to state of mind It's very hard to prove. And you have to prove it based upon evidence, not feelings or belief or what pebbles told cookie that she thought she heard you have to be able to prove it in court beyond a reasonable reasonable doubt get 12 jurors to agree on it based upon the evidence well when you can lower the standard down from willful intent to negligence you can prosecute more police officers and convict more police officers lock them up that's a bigger deterrent than a civil lawsuit that's just talking that's just money when you start locking up more officers and they see their friends going to prison okay and they they're stuck in prison. That's a bigger deterrent. Because the other thing is, if qualified immunity is repealed, guess what? Insurance companies are now going to start selling police uh, police liability insurance. They're going to start selling police liability insurance. If 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 insurance companies are selling pet insurance for your dog and your cat, in case your dog and your cat have to have a, a expensive operation. If insurance companies are selling pet insurance, you think they're not going to sell police liability insurance to eight hundred thousand law enforcement officers all across the country? Yes, they will. So even though it can be repealing qualified immunity can be a smaller, it can be somewhat of a deterrent. That's just civil. That ain't those are not criminal prosecution. That's just a civil lawsuit. A criminal prosecution, you actually being locked up that's a bigger deterrent that's also in the george Floyd justice and policing act that's not being talked about a lot qualified immunity dominates the headlines that ain't the most important thing in the bill. i don't know because i actually read it go to congress.gov and read hr 1280 okay and then uh i think there's a fact sheet that we have here on um hr 1280 as well and we'll uh to pull that up also, but we talked about this here uh, on the show before. Uh, Let's see. Fact sheet. And uh, also in the article from um, NBC News from March 3rd, 2021 House Passes Police Reform Act named for George Floyd. We'll post this link right here. Read that. I think it has a link to HR1280 at congress.gov as well. This is why we have to go read what's in this. This is why they didn't want slaves to read and write because when you can start reading and understand this, you got comprehensive skills. You can start breaking this stuff down and figure this stuff out. All right, Uh right. Let's go back to uh, I want to go back to the Washington Post here. Okay. Uh, the test vote, which would have cleared the way to start debate on voting legislation, failed 50-50 on straight party lines, 10 votes short of the supermajority needed to advance legislation in the Senate. So you're going to need 10 Republicans also to vote for the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. All right. Now, they've been coming closer Together on this, Senator Tim Scott is negotiating on behalf of Republicans. Uh, Senator Cory Booker and Representative Karen Bass are negotiating negotiating on behalf of Democrats. They've been coming closer together on this as well. It's a very comprehensive bill. This is why people have to go read it, all right? It's a much more comprehensive bill than the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act that people keep calling an anti-Asian bill. That's not an anti-Asian bill. Go read it at congress.gov. The name of the bill is the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act. And it is not specific to Asian-Americans, as we talked about here on this show. It applies to any victim of COVID-19 related hate crimes, regardless of race or ethnicity. That's why you have to read the bills. That's why you have to actually read the bills themselves. Now, it came after back to Washington Post. It came after a session of Democrats delivered warnings about what they said was the dire state of American democracy, the dire state of American democracy, accusing former president Donald Trump of undermining the country's democratic system by challenging the results of the 2020 election in a campaign that prompted his supporters in numerous state legislatures to pass laws, rolling back ballot access. Okay. So they're passing these laws. They're proposing these laws and passing these laws based upon the big lie, based upon the big lie that the 2020 presidential election was stolen from Trump. There was rapid voter fraud, all this stuff. No, it wasn't. Sure. You had some, uh, uh, individual, Acts of voter fraud, many of them were people voting for Trump. Many of them were people voting for Republicans. Okay. There was one case. Uh there's an article that came out today, which date is this article? June 22nd, 2021. Republican official in Ohio faces charge for voting twice in November election. Where now my question is, where's Rudy Giuliani on this? Okay, where where's Rudy? Has anybody seen Rudy? Can we put out a APB on Rudy? Okay. Republican official in Ohio faces charge for voting twice in November election. Quote, I was simply trying to execute a dying man's wishes. and quote said, it's not grass. Now, so there was, uh, there was individual acts of voter fraud. We saw three in Pennsylvania and those three people voted for Trump. There were individual acts of voter fraud, but there was no coordinated, uh, uh, mass voter fraud effort. They know they're lying. They know they're lying. And at the same time, your argument is, wait a second, Democrats rigged the election for Joe Biden to beat Trump, but they didn't rig the election, uh, for for, for Lindsey Graham to lose in South Carolina to Jamie Harrison. They ain't rigged the election for that for the, for Democratic candidate uh, Jamie Harrison to beat Lindsey Graham in South Carolina in the senatorial race. They didn't rig the election for uh, Amy McGrath to beat uh uh uh. Uh, Mitch McConnell in the Kentucky senatorial race—they ain't, they ain't rigged the election there, but they just rigged it for Joe Biden to beat Trump. What are you talking about? And and it's also your argument that none of none of the fraudulent votes went to Republicans in the House, of Representatives, and U.S. Senate. It was only for Trump. It, it was only for Joe Biden. They know they're lying, but they, they but they're afraid to tell the truth. Uh Republican lawmakers in Ohio, pushing for more safety and security at the ballot box, can now point to a clear example of voter fraud in the november twenty twenty presidential election unfortunately unfortunately, for them, it involves another Republican. E- Edward Snodgrass, who is a Porter Township trustee, has admitted to forging his dead father's signature on an absentee ballot and then voting again as himself court records and other sources reveal where's rudy Giuliani? has anybody seen rudy has anybody seen uh any of these republicans that were lying uh, filing these 61 uh, uh lawsuits in court alleging a big lie then when they get to court they're not providing any evidence of voter fraud in one case Rudy Giuliani was asked, are you alleging voter fraud? Rudy said no, because he knows if he, he knows if he's, if he lies under oath, he can lose his law license. He knows if he goes to court and lies under oath, he can lose his law license. He knows this. So when they actually get to court, when you look at the actual court filings, in most of these cases, they're not even alleging voter fraud because they know they can't prove it. They know they have no evidence and they know they are under oath and they know they can't go into court and lie. Snodgrass was busted after a Delaware County election worker questioned the signature of his father's ballot. A subsequent investigation revealed the ballot had been mailed to H. Edward Snodgrass on October 6, 2020, a day after the 78-year-old retired businessman died. In an interview with NBC News, Edward Snodgrass said he made an honest error while struggling to take care of his dying father, who had advanced Parkinson's disease he said he had power of attorney for several years and because his dad had broken his right arm he'd already been signing for him he said his dad had requested the absentee ballot but the ballot came after the day after your dad died the ballot came a day after your dad died okay the question the signature a subsequent investigation revealed the ballot had been mailed the ballot had been mailed to his father a day after his Dad died. So common sense will tell you. I mean, come on. You expect us to believe this? Come on. You got busted. You got caught. That's what happened. He said his dad had requested the absentee ballot. Now, I don't I believe his dad requested the absentee ballot, but your dad died. You he died. Quote, it was there with a pile of other work. End quote. Snodgrass said I was sleep deprived and not thinking clearly, but I'm not going to run away from it. Well, you can't run away from it. You're busted. Now, Snodgrass, 57, declined to the Sun, declined to say who he voted for, but said it would not be accurate to characterize what he did as a, quote, unquote, just Trump voter fraud. End quote. I was simply trying to execute a dying man's wishes. Uh huh. The veteran Ohio prosecutor assigned to Snodgrass case said this was a career first for him. Quote, I've been I've been doing this uh since the 1980s, and this is the first one I've seen like this, said Morrow County assistant prosecutor David Homer, who was also a special prosecutor for Delaware County. OK, Snodgrass is due back in court July 9th, where according to a plea agreement, he is expected to plead guilty to a reduced charge of falsification and receive a sentence of three days in jail and a $500 fine initially three, three days in jail and a $500 fine initially charged with illegal voting, which is a fourth degree felony. Snodgrass could have faced a prison sentence of six or more months along with a $5,000 fine. Had he not agreed to a deal? Yeah, but, uh, I remember Crystal Mason down there in Texas, in Texas, the Texas state constitution had a, had a clause called purity of the ballot box, which led to all white primaries. I don't remember Crystal Mason got five years in prison for she was sentenced to five years in prison and she made an honest mistake because she was giving she was given incorrect information by a, a poll worker who told her she was eligible to vote, even though she was a former felon. Crystal Mason wasn't trying to commit fraud. She wasn't trying to vote for somebody dead. She was going by the information that the poll worker gave her. Crystal Mason filed a provisional ballot. Her ballot did not count, but she was still convicted of voter fraud. She was sentenced to five years in prison. This is, we've talked about Crystal Mason before. How is it this guy who voted for his dead daddy? He's going to get three days in jail and a $500 fine. And Crystal Mason is sentenced to five years in prison. I know it's two different states, but you got to ask, go, well, wait a second. He said, what about fairness? He deliberately voted. He, he deliberately, he voted for somebody else who was dead. She voted for herself based upon the information that a poll worker gave her. And in the and in, and in, in the information was incorrect. One, two. She, uh, Crystal Mason's vote didn't even count. So why are you going to prosecute her and sentence her to five years in prison because she was given incorrect information by a poll worker? What did they say at the Mississippi State Constitution, at Mississippi State Convention in 1890? They said we are here to exclude the Negro. They should have added to that by any means necessary. Let's look at this here. We're going to get to this last article from New York Times, and I have to get out of here. We'll continue this tomorrow. I haven't been on the airline since Wednesday, June 16th. So we've got a lot to talk about. Um, let me look at this here. You've got... Uh, Right here. May 1st, 2021. This was uh, the convention's president, Solomon Saladin Calhoun, was a white county judge. He put the voting issue bluntly. He said, let's tell the truth. Let's tell the truth. If it if it burst the bottom of the universe. He said, quote, we came here to exclude the Negro. Nothing short of this will answer. We came here to exclude the Negro. Nothing short of this will answer. This is at the Mississippi State Convention in 1890, where they voted on the Mississippi State Constitution. Delegates eventually adopted a literacy test. And a poll tax geared to suppress the black vote in the state with a black majority. Mississippi had a black majority population they voted in the state legislature and Isaiah T Montgomery the only African American delegate voted uh, voted to uh adopt the Mississippi Mississippi state constitution to suppress the African American vote he went along with this he he i think Senator Tim Scott may be a descendant of Isaiah T Montgomery cuz Senator Tim Scott is the new Isaiah T Montgomery Senator Tim Scott is the new Isaiah T Montgomery the Mississippi plan Became the model throughout the South, part of a raft of racially oppressive Jim Crow laws that ended Reconstruction. What we look at, what we're looking at that just took place in the Senate today, that's Jim Crow 2.0. That's a continuation of the Mississippi Plan. That's a continuation of the Mississippi State Constitution of 1890. This is not ancient history. I know ancient history. This is not it. This is current. This is right now. President Joe Biden and others warn that Jim Crow style disenfranchisement is resurfacing resurfacing in efforts by Republican legislatures in Georgia, Texas and other states to restrict voting. The moves are in response to former uh, President Benedict Donald's false claims of widespread voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election. Republican Governor Brian Kemp denies Georgia's New law is discriminatory. Of course, he would, because he knows Stacey Abrams is gonna run again for governor in 2022, and they're trying to they're trying to keep Stacey Abrams from winning the governor governorship, because they know it's gonna be all out war in 2022. And Senator Raphael Warnock has to run for re-election in 2022 because of, of Georgia because he is finishing out the last two years of a six-year term. He has to run for re-election in 2022. I was explaining this to people down in Georgia, in Atlanta, and many of them did not know this. I was explaining this to black people this past weekend in Atlanta, and many of them did not know that he has to run for re-election. We've got work to do. If, if you saw what I posted on, on on my Facebook page and, and uh, on, on a fan page, the African History Network, I said that Juneteenth is not a day off, it's a day on. And I talked about how I, I talked to many people, many African-Americans down in Atlanta who don't understand this history. Okay, this ain't a day off. Yes, we're going to commemorate. Yes, we're going to have a, you know, a cookout and all this stuff. But you got to have this conversation dealing with history, dealing with law, dealing with politics, all this connects. Repairing the damage. Understanding history of slavery. Okay? You gotta have all this incorporated into Juneteenth uh, commemorations and Juneteenth celebrations. So Juneteenth is not a day off, it's a day on. And now it's a paid federal holiday, okay? And that should be a day also that we spend dollars with African American owned business, businesses, and recycle our dollars and, and focus on economic empowerment as well. Um Let me flip over here and look at this this post that I did. And I shared it on my personal page, Michael M. Hotep and uh, uh, our Facebook fan page, the African History Network also. Uh, This one right here, I did this June 21st. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Juneteenth is not a day off for me. It is a day of teaching. Juneteenth is not a day off for me. It is a day of teaching. I talked to so many black people in Atlanta who don't know our history. We have work to do. Okay. Same thing goes for Detroit, Chicago. I'm not singling out Atlanta. That's just where I was for the Juneteenth festival. There were thousands of people who came through. You know, I did two presentations, talked to dozens of African Americans. I'm asking them questions while I do my presentations. We we I recorded both of the presentations I did, so we're gonna share some excerpts of that here on the show and subsequent subsequent days. And then this this uh uh post I did also June twenty first. Uh, see, we don't understand what happened with the Juneteenth federal holiday. And Dr. Dr. Leonard Jeffries called me today. I sent him the video of the interview that uh, Angela Matthews did with me on Urban Information News Network. And he called me. We talked about Juneteenth federal holiday. And I said, this can be a this is a powerful weapon if we know how to use it properly because this forces a conversation about history that Republicans are passing laws to suppress. This, this can be a powerful weapon this could be a powerful holiday for use of property he agreed with me he totally agreed with me he said this is our time he said this is monumental what just happened dr leonard jeffries is a political scientist and historian okay and i'm setting up an interview with him because we're going to break this stuff down people don't understand what just happened and i knew dr leonard jeffries understood this and i knew he would agree with with me as well and he and he definitely did um now each year america has to deal with the tulsa race massacre june 1st because uh biden signed a proclamation declaring june 1st a day of remembrance dealing with the tulsa race massacre that's gonna happen each year so they have to deal with june 1st the tulsa race massacre each year and juneteenth june 19th and we're gonna deal with that whole week that whole week and that whole weekend for juneteenth both of these are taking place within june which is black music month that's a whole lot of African history, African American history. That's a whole lot, of, a whole lot of blackness in the month of June. June is already Black Music Month. Then you got the Tulsa Race Massacre Day of Remembrance on June 1st, and you got Juneteenth, June 19th. And we deal with Juneteenth that whole weekend, that whole week. We are forcing a history lesson. Republicans are passing laws to suppress. We are forcing a history lesson. That Republicans are passing laws to suppress. That's what what I posted on June 21st, 7.12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I uh, posted that on my Facebook fan page, the African History Network, and my personal page, Michael M. Hotel on Facebook. So we don't understand how monumental this is, but just like any weapon, you have to be properly trained on how to use the weapon. Otherwise, you can blow your brains out. Just like any weapon, you have to be properly trained on how to use the weapon. All right, let's go back quickly to um we're talking about Mississippi State Constitution. Okay, so read the rest of this. Um dealing with the the Mississippi plan to keep blacks from voting in eighteen ninety. We came here to exclude the Negro. Okay, what happened June twenty second in the US Senate is a continuation of the Mississippi Plan of eighteen ninety. Now, let's go back to this. How's everybody doing? Share this broadcast on your social media platforms. Invite your friends to tune in also. If you like this type of information, you can support the African History Network dollar sign, the AHN show through cash app, dollar sign, the AHN show through cash app, also through PayPal, paypal.me, me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. We definitely need your support. Um, we're here six days a week. Uh, Monday through Friday, eleven PM to twelve midnight Eastern Standard Time, Sundays, nine PM to eleven P.M. Eastern Standard Time. So this helps helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, pay some of the bills, keep broadcasting. Um and our our Cash App tag is dollar sign the A H N Show S H O W. Dollar sign the A H N Show S H O W. Uh, these other ones here are fake African history network cash app accounts that are stealing money from us. I've already poured them to cash app um, trying to figure out what the next step is. So I'm taking initiative here, letting people know. Uh, so type in dollar sign, the A H N and show SHOW. It'll show my name, Michael, and shows my picture there. OK, and we'll post a link here as well. All right. And this definitely uh, uh, helps support this. helped helps cover expenses I incurred in Atlanta because I had to pay my way there, pay my way back. And you've heard me say before, you know, I've been doing radio 11 years. I never got paid to do radio. I don't get paid to do radio six days a week here. I do this because it's needed and, you know, we can market certain things. I can market classes, et cetera, for the African history network, but I don't get paid to do radio. So the support, uh, definitely helps when you register for the online courses, all that support us through cash app or PayPal that definitely helps us keep doing what we're doing. And you're not going to find this type of information uh, other places, uh, many other places either. All right, let's continue here. Okay. I want to go back to, um, want to go back to the Washington Post quickly here. Read this article from the Washington Post. Read the one also from uh, NBC News dealing with the vote that took place today in uh, the Senate. So uh, the test vote, uh, which would have cleared the way to start debate on voting legislation, failed 50-50 on straight party lines, 10 votes short of the supermajority super needed to advance legislation in the Senate. It came after a succession of Democrats delivered warnings about what they said was the dire strait of American democracy, accusing former uh, the uh, Trader-in-Chief, Benedict Donald, of undermining the country's democratic system by challenging results of the 2020 election in a campaign that prompted his supporters in numerous state legislatures to pass laws, rolling back ballot access. Uh, uh, So uh, Senator Chuck Schumer uh, said today, uh, are we going to let reactionary state legislatures drag us back into the muck of voter suppression? Are we going to let the most dishonest president in history continue to poison our democracy from the inside? Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Democrat of New York, said before the vote, quote, or will we stand up to stand what generations of Americans have organized, marched, fought and died for the sacred, sacred right to vote? But Republicans stood firmly together in opposition following the lead of Senate uh, Minority Leader Moscow Mitch McConnell, the Grim Reaper, Republican of Kentucky, uh, who on Tuesday lambasted the Democrats bill known as the For the People Act, the For the People Act, which has overwhelming support also, by the way, in West Virginia and Trump won West Virginia in 2016 and 2020 by about 40 points. Uh, McConnell blasted it as, quote, a transparent partisan plan to tilt every election in America permanently in Democrats favor and as a recipe for undermining confidence in our elections. He's lying. That's what Republicans are trying to do. He's lying. Although many Democrats and liberal activists insist the fight is not over. Pledging to launch a final furious push over the coming weeks to change the Senate rules to pass the bill. They face long odds as key lawmakers have insisted that they are not willing to eliminate the chamber supermajority rule to override Republican opposition. That's the filibuster. Okay. They're going to have to alter the filibuster. They're going to have to. More pressure. The, the, the pressure is going to intensify on Senator Joe Manchin, Chris, Christian Sinema and other moderate Republicans in, in, in Republican uh, dominated states. You're going to see this over the next few weeks. The effort to pass the bill has risen to the highest ranks of the Democratic Party. President Joe Biden on Monday privately counseled a key senator, Senator Joe Manchin, the third Democrat from West Virginia, to, quote, find a path forward on voting rights. On Tuesday, Senator Chuck Schumer consulted with Biden on next steps after excoriating Republicans ahead of the test vote for their unwillingness to even to debate voting rights. Uh, Senator Schumer said they will sweep it under the rug and hope that Americans don't hear about it, but Americans will hear about it. We're going to make sure of that. Okay. Um, Okay. Read the rest of this here because I want to go to uh, this interview with uh, uh, Representative James Clyburn. Okay. Read the rest of this here. Let me post this link to the article from the Washington Post. All right. So uh, Representative James Clyburn was uh, interviewed on all in with Chris Hayes uh, on June, on uh, Tuesday, June 22nd, after the vote in the Senate took place. Let's go to this clip.
5: James Clyburn, South Carolina, is the House Majority Whip, and he joins me now. What is your reaction to that vote today, a vote that didn't have a lot of suspense because I think we suspected it would end up here?
6: Well, I feel very strongly that this begins the process. That's all that's happened here. And we are going to move forward doing what we have to do. The vice president spoke eloquently to the fact that we are going to move forward with S-1. And we are going to move forward with the Voter Empowerment Act, which is a part of S-1, and the John R. Lewis uh, Voting Rights and Advancement Act. Now you're going to look at what Joe Manchin has put forward, uh, and I think uh, that Stacey Abrams has always already spoke favorably of it, and I too said that it's a great uh, first step. So let's take a look at what he's putting forward, and I think uh, that we ought to make a run at trying to get the votes that are necessary uh, to get it. But if we don't, uh, then I think it's time for us. Mr. Gahan looked at the filibuster. And let me be clear. I have never asked that the filibuster be eliminated. I do believe that we ought to do for constitutional issues what we've done uh, with uh, the budget. Reconciliation is used uh, in order for us to maintain the full faith and credit of the United States of America. And we ought to use reconciliation to maintain democratic principles and move forward with our pursuit of a more perfect union. So I just feel very strongly uh, that the filibuster can be maintained, while at the same time not allowing it to uh, uh, apply to constitutional issues, just as we don't let it apply uh, to a budget issue. It,
5: it, it's, a, it's really worth, I think, emphasizing this point for a moment, because there is, at this point, no conceptual coherence to the filibuster. There are two major exceptions: reconciliation, which again is a sort of obscure budgetary process, budgetary process, but and then nominations, right? And because the, we we got rid of that, up to and including Supreme Court justices and judges who have lifetime tenure. There's no reason that was not handed down by Moses and the tablets, or uh, conjured up by the founding fathers, or delivered. <laughs> that's complete happenstance.
6: That those are the two. So that's chapters. exactly right. Yeah. In fact, when you study this issue, will you find out that it was a, a, an oversight? Someone made a mistake, uh, and it's been used uh, and uh, turned into a tradition. And so, tradition means of itself that sometimes you got to have better laws, uh, get beyond tradition, and look—it's clear in Article One, uh, Section Four of the Constitution of the United States of America that the federal government maintains control, must maintain control. If you look at the Federalist Papers, it's right there. Hamilton spoke to it eloquently. On three pages there, he says that federal elections must remain with the federal government. What you see here is Republicans trying to turn over congressional elections to states. That is exactly what is happening. And for Mitch McConnell to say... This is a takeover on our part. It is just the opposite. How many Democrats in Georgia voted uh, for uh, that bill that they passed down there? Or in Texas, or in Florida, or in Iowa, as you just pointed out. Not a single Democrat voted for any of these. So to say that the law is no good unless you have bipartisan support will say to me that you don't believe in the 15th Amendment. Because the 15th Amendment, that gave blacks the right to vote, passed by one party vote.
5: It's, a ve- it's an excellent point, uh, the 15th Amendment, uh, f- 14th uh, as well, we should, we should know. It. In fact, a uh, big part of the country is under military rule, but that, that, it, was a, it was a strange time in many ways. But the, the, the deeper question to me here, Congressman, is that is this idea of the, the sort of specter, and to me kind of the, the code of federalizing elections – when that is that we've been fighting on that turf forever about who control elections, and this is not a new argument.
6: No, it's not. Uh, and it has never been a real problem before. Uh, as you know, uh, when I came along and voted, I could not vote until I was 21. Uh, we have now lowered the voting age of 18. States didn't do that. The federal government did that. Uh, decided that we were sending young men uh, at the age of 18 and 19, uh, 20 years old, off the war, and they ought to have the right to vote on whether or not that should occur. And that's what the federal government, the Congress, used yeah. uh, to lower the vote in age of 18. States came along later because they didn't want to have two systems. So this argument is very clear. The history is there. The records are there. And I don't know why Mr. McConnell would stand on the Senate floor and misrepresent what has gone on here the way he did. And that was the biggest misrepresentation I've seen from him in a long, long time.
0: Okay, so that was on uh, all in with Chris Hayes, uh, Tuesday, June 22nd, 2021, after the vote, after the vote took place in the uh, U.S. Senate. That was uh, House Majority Whip uh, James Clyburn, who is a former high school history teacher. He's a former high school history teacher, so he understands his history. Um, that is the name of that clip from uh, All In is Clyburn on Senate GOP blocking voting rights. This just begins the process. Okay, that's at MSNBC.com. And um, here is, we're going to post the link here to that uh, interview also. So you can watch it in its entirety. All right. I uh, want to remind you, we're going to go to this last article here, revisit this last article for a couple minutes. want to remind you that uh, my new online course starts um, Sunday, July 4th, the 4th of July, Sunday, July 4th, ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Maafa, understand the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. This is a 10 week, online course that I teach. We deal with thousands of years of history and what led to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. We do the class live. All the sessions are recorded uh, so you can watch it live in class or on demand. Even after the 10 week course is over with, you still have access to it. It's uh, $80. It's a 10 week online course we deal with. We have a PowerPoint presentation, book references, articles, video clips, etc. Starts up Sunday, July 4th, the 4th of July, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay. We have it, uh, information around right the homepage of our website, uh, dot com. When you scroll down, uh, the website, you'll see the information for the online course. Uh, we have one that's going on right now on Saturdays, and, um, that one is uh, wrapping up. We'll, we'll enroll you in that one so you can watch the last three classes live Saturdays, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But you'll also be enrolled in the new class that starts up on Sunday. Okay. Sunday, July 4th. So you scroll down, click on register here. It'll take you to the uh, uh, page where you can register for the online course. And uh, you scroll down and this one starts up in July. You scroll down and click on enroll. Click on enroll takes you to our learn world page uh, where the online school is. Okay. And this class is, uh, starts of July, 2021, click on enroll. And, uh, as soon as you register, you can start watching the content. Okay. And you can start watching classes one through seven of the Saturday class. And you can join us for the last three sessions of the Saturday class. But you'll be enrolled also for the class that starts on Sunday, July 4th, uh, 2021, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade What they didn't teach in school. Uh, we'll also give you um, the digital download of my latest presentation dealing with the history of Juneteenth, the two hour plus lecture I did you're going to get that digital download free also when you register for um, this online course. All right. Lastly, let's go back to the, um, uh, it's the 4th of July. That's uh, what Dr. Shaka Musa Bereshango called it, who uh, wrote the book, the First, um, African People and European Holidays and Mental Genocide. His book talks about, uh, the history of a lot of these European holidays we celebrate African people and European holidays and mental genocide. This is book one. He also wrote book two. He called it the fourth of July. Okay. Cause they lied. We, 1776, we weren't free. The majority of African Americans were enslaved. Yes. There were Moors here. Yes. There were black Indians, all that, but majority of African Americans were enslaved. Okay. Lastly, uh, let's go back to the New York times. Uh, Read this piece here from the New York Times dealing with um, how most Americans don't know uh, about Juneteenth. We'll probably talk about this some more on tomorrow's show. Where is that article? Okay, right here. I saw a segment on uh, on MSNBC discussing this, and they put the number at 62 percent of Americans. I'm trying to find that piece. I think it was on uh, Ali Velshi's show on MSNBC. This past weekend, but um, this article from NBC News has a link to the actual uh, study from actual poll from Gallup. It was a Gallup survey, okay? As uh, so we look at this here, most Americans know little or nothing about Juneteenth, poll finds. Academics believe that increases in the number of Americans familiar with the holiday which commemorates the end of slavery in the U.S. may be a result of last summer's protests against racism. And there was an there was an increased focus on Juneteenth in June 2020 because of the Black Lives Matter protests, the protests around George Floyd, all that. Okay, Now, as we said before, the majority of enslaved Africans in Texas found out that they were free, but there are going to be some that are held for another year in Texas enslaved. The, The word was kept from them. Okay, by the slave owners. Uh, More than 60% of Americans know nothing at all or or only a little bit about Juneteenth, uh, uh, according to a new Gallup survey. The 37% of respondents who reported having, quote, a lot or some knowledge of the holiday may be an increase from previous years, posters and academics believe. Reflecting growing awareness after last summer, June uh, 2020, summer 2020, protests against racism and police brutality. The survey. The results of which were released on Tuesday, um, found that nearly so this, this was uh, last Tuesday, that'd be Tuesday, uh, June 15th, Tuesday, June 15th. This article came out Wednesday, June 16th. The survey the results of which were released on Tuesday, June 15th, found that nearly half supported teaching the history of Juneteenth in public schools. There was less support, 35% for making June, June 19th, a federal holiday. So 35% supported making June 19th, a federal holiday. Uh, uh, 50%, almost 50% supported teaching the history of Juneteenth in public schools. Uh, but only twenty-five percent of respondents said they were opposed to the idea. Now on Tuesday, um June 15th, the U.S. Senate unanimously approved a bill that would make Juneteenth a legal holiday. The House passed the bill by a wide margin the next day with 14 Republicans opposed to it. Keep in mind also 62 Republicans voted against the COVID-19 hate crime act which is in the House of Representatives, 62 voted against it in the House, which is ostensibly known as the anti-Asian hate crime bill. It it is not specific to Asians, Asian-Americans. That's why you have to go to Congress.gov and read these bills. Now, uh, also, the the vote in the Senate, the way it passed in the Senate is um, the way it passed in the Senate was not a formal vote. There was no objection to it in the Senate in 20 in June, 20 in 2020, Senator Ron Johnson, Wisconsin, who actually who done dumbass went to a Juneteenth celebration after what went down in the Senate. After um, it passed the Senate it, it, for Juneteenth, he went to one and he got booed rightfully so because he blocked the bill in 2020. A formal vote in the Senate on uh, June 15th did not take place. What happened was there was no opposition to the bill. So it was able to pass the Senate, but there was no formal yay or nay vote in the Senate. People have to keep in mind. That's what, that's how it passed the Senate. There was no formal yay yay or nay vote. It, there was, it just passed with no opposition. Okay. There was a formal yay or nay vote in the house of representatives. So the 14 who opposed it are on record voting against it. You can go to govtrack.us and you can see the 14 and there are articles written about this. You can see the 14 Republicans, all white men who voted against making Juneteenth a federal holiday. They're all Trump supporters also. Now on Tuesday, the Senate unanimously approved uh, a bill that would make Juneteenth a legal uh, holiday. All right. Now uh, also known as emancipation day, black independence day or Jubilee day. Juneteenth celebrates the day in 1865 with Major General Gordon Granger, Union General, Union General, informed enslaved African-Americans in Galveston, Texas, that the Civil War had ended and that they were free. OK, majority of them are going to be free. But keep in mind, it's going to be the 13th Amendment ratified December 6, 1865, when Georgia ratifies the 13th Amendment. That's what's going to legally free the slaves is not the Emancipation Proclamation of January 1st, 1, 1863, which is an executive order from. Uh, Abraham Lincoln. That's not what's going to legally free the slaves. You have to amend the Constitution to legally freedom. Now, the poll is the first uh, poll Gallup conducted about Juneteenth. It was organized by the Gallup Center on Black Voices as part of a continuing effort to understand the public perception of and support for the broader inclusion of black history in American history. In American history, a year after a deep racial reckoning in the country, Camille Lloyd, the center's director, said, "Okay, it was organized. This poll was organized by the Gallup Center, of uh, the Gallup poll, the Gallup people, the Gallup Center on Black Voices, as part of a continuing effort to understand the public perception of and the public support for the broader inclusion of." Uh, African-American history in American history, a year after a deep racial reckoning in the country. Now, the study, which was conducted May 18th to May 23rd, 2021, May 18th to May 23rd, 2021, on a random sample of 3,572 adults, a random sample of 3,572 adults, who self-administered web surveys. This study from May 18th to May 23rd found that results slanted around race and age. And it's understandable. 69% of African-American respondents say they had a lot or some knowledge of Juneteenth compared with 31% of white respondents. Okay, 31% of white respondents had Said they had, uh, uh, some, uh, a, a lot of knowledge or some knowledge, whereas 69% of African American respondents said they had a lot of knowledge or some knowledge. Um, younger adults were also more likely to know about Juneteenth than older adults. Younger adults were also more likely to know about Juneteenth than younger adults. Now, the margin of sampling error. For a sample of this size is plus or minus two percentage points, according to Gallup, which is pretty low for uh, surveys, actually. Um, reading between the numbers, the Gallup Center on Black Voices found that uh, awareness is a critical piece in whether a person is supportive of celebrating and teaching Juneteenth. And the focus should be on maintaining and cultivating that awareness um, said, uh, Miss Lloyd, that's, uh, Camille, uh, Camille Lloyd, the center's, uh, director. Okay. Awareness is a critical piece in whether a person is supportive or of celebrating and teaching Juneteenth. And the focus should be on maintaining and cultivating that awareness. Now, Juneteenth has been celebrated since the 19th century. It's been celebrated since 1866 to be precise. It's been celebrated since 1866 in Texas and then it's gonna spread throughout the country. As African-Americans uh, spread throughout the country during the Great Migration, et cetera, is going to spread. There are periods of times where it dies down, periods of times where it's more popular. It becomes, uh, Emancipation Day becomes a uh, state holiday um, in Texas in 1980. Now, uh, Juneteenth has been celebrated by African-Americans since the 19th century, since 1866, and its broader popularity has waxed and waned throughout American history, according to Brenda Elaine Stevenson, a historian specializing in African American history and the history of the Southern United States. Uh, Dr. Stevenson, Dr. Brenda Elaine Stevenson said, quote, we see spikes in Juneteenth popularity. At the same time, we see uh, a focus on black life and the position of black people in American society, okay? She said that in addition to the late summer's protests the pandemic's disproportionate effect on African-Americans and the recent combative uh, debates on the study of race in public schools and universities has contributed to a broader interest, not only in learning about the experience of African-Americans, but in finding ways to celebrate it as well. Quote, Juneteenth, Juneteenth has now had a rebirth in terms of people focusing on it. Celebrating it, wanting to know what it is, and wanting to know what it signifies, and how it relates to this long arc of racial divide and progress, or not, or not progressing in our country. Doctor Stevenson said. All right, read the rest of this here. Oh, it goes on to talk about how during protests in, in any twenty summer twenty twenty, over one hundred and sixty Confederate uh, symbols were removed from public spaces or renamed. Uh, after the death of George Floyd, more than, uh, more than any in any other year. Uh, read the rest of this article here from the New York Times. More Americans, most Americans know little or nothing about Juneteenth poll fines. This is from, uh, June 16th, 2021 by Isabel Gruelen Paz, uh, or Paz for, uh, New York Times. All right. Look, we're out of time here, way over time. Um, if you like this type of information, also you can support the African History Network, uh, dollar sign, the AHN show. Uh, through Cash App, dollar sign, The AHN Show, through Cash App, also through uh, PayPal, paypal.me forward slash The AHN Show. Uh, we are here six days a week to help us keep doing the research, stay on the air, uh, keep broadcasting. And uh, you can also visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, uh, and support us there as well. Be sure to register for my new online course that starts up Sunday, uh, July 4th, 2021, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school. And uh, this is a 10-week online course that I teach. We deal with thousands of years of history and what led up to the uh, Transatlantic Slave Trade uh, taking place. So we have the information on the homepage of our website. And uh, when you scroll down and click on the link, it takes you to uh, our page on uh, Learn World and uh just click on uh enroll and you can uh, as soon as you enroll you can start watching the content and there's a bonus uh of uh, uh classes 1 through 7 from uh, the current course that's going on right now and uh we're going to enroll you in that Saturday class and enroll you in the new Sunday class that starts up Sunday um july 4th okay the 4th of july all right we have to get out of here remember right now corrects wrong behavior it's not over till we win wakanda forever and we'll talk to you tomorrow night peace
2: gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books Blacklisted gives you access to curated content that'll satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself through inspirational and actionable ideas. It's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted. Empower yourself. Start your free trial today.
7: Are you getting ready for fall or winter? We have the solution for all seasonal clothing needs. Comedicwear.com is the go-to online source for comedic African fashion and lifestyle products with a contemporary twist. We're committed to offering unique styles reflecting our African heritage. ComedicWear.com is inspired by ComedicScribes.com to influence our people in learning and showing pride. Please visit our website at ComedicWear.com.
8: We all know the cannabis industry is headed toward an uprise in the past decade. What happens when there is a brand that brings this uprise in a blow? The cannabis industry welcomes her uprise, Hustle Her Hemp. Delivering excellence with pride is her watchword, and how you choose to embrace it makes it a priority. From cultivating rich cannabis into exquisite and tastefully finished CBD products to delivery, Hustle Her Hemp leaves no stone unturned. Hustle Her Hemp's mission is to empower women of color by building business and creating legacies, uniting beauty, health, and business. We are a pure definition of how we want the CBD industry to become in the future. While we are redefining innovation, we bring the same energy to improving the quality of life. Hustle Her Hemp is the new Uprise.
7: Hi, I'm Joel Wilson, President and CEO of JCW Computer Consulting LLC technology implementation firm with over 20 years of satisfying customers. We offer a full spectrum of industry top-tier branded services. We are an authorized partner or reseller for Lenovo, Zoom, T-Mobile, Microsoft 365 and Surface tablets, Google Workspace, Acer, Asus, Samsung, PCmatic security software, and many more. Our online store features laptops, Chromebooks, computers, printers, accessories, and software. Businesses, take advantage of our free one-hour Zoom tech consultation and know we offer top nationwide high-speed internet service providers, voiceover IP, and cellular phone services. Home users, don't miss our current in-stock Chromebook inventory. Please visit us at jcwcc.com or call 215-879-6701. Digital Dandelion's Technical
0: Solutions works with businesses like yours to create an operations manual for your business, which is something many businesses don't have. According to AARP, more than 30% of small business owners are over 50 years old. Many business owners want to retire by selling their businesses or by passing their businesses on to their children. However, According to Forbes Investment Advisors, many retiring owners attempts to sell their businesses for retirement fail. You cannot sell your business without a business manual. Your children also cannot inherit your business because there is no way to run it. Your business does not have to die when you leave. Their business Bible product will give you the tools you need for a thriving business that can make you money even after you retire. Are you looking at increasing your business's annual revenue? Digital Dandelions can help you make at least $100,000 in annual revenue and expand your business. Speak with them today about solidifying your business. Visit DigitalDandelions.com today and get a free 30-minute consultation.
7: Hi, I'm Joel Wilson. President and CEO of JCW Computer Consulting, LLC, a technology implementation firm with over 20 years of satisfying customers. We offer a full spectrum of industry top-tier branded services. We are an authorized partner or reseller for Lenovo, Zoom, T-Mobile, Microsoft 365 and Surface tablets, Google Workspace, Acer, Asus, Samsung, PC PCmatic security software, and many more. Our online store features laptops, Chromebooks, computers, printers, accessories, and software. Businesses take advantage of our free one-hour Zoom tech consultation and know we offer top nationwide high-speed internet service providers, voiceover IP, and cellular phone services. Home users, don't miss our current in-stock Chromebook inventory. Please visit us at jcwcc.com or call two one five. 6701
0: With blackbusinesst.com the messages are clear and meaningful. Keep your business in the black and out of the red. Mind your black business, know your numbers and plan strategically. Black business boss, lead your industry. Support black business, encourage, patronize and uplift one another. blackbusinesst.com currently has products sold in Detroit Atlanta Chicago and Los Angeles with proceeds returned to the black community they have a wide selection of hoodies t-shirts mugs hats sweatshirts that support black-owned businesses visit the website blackbusinesstee.com that's blackbusinesstee.com
8: we all know the cannabis industry is headed toward an uprise in the past decade what happens when there is a brand that brings this uprise in a blow? The cannabis industry welcomes her uprise. Hustle Her Hemp. Delivering excellence with pride is her watchword, and how you choose to embrace it makes it a priority. From cultivating rich cannabis into exquisite and tastefully finished CBD products to delivery, Hustler Hemp leaves no stone unturned. Hustle Her Hemp's mission is to empower women of color by building business and creating legacies, uniting beauty, health and business. We are a pure definition of how we want the CBD industry to become in the future. While we are redefining innovation, we bring the same energy to improving the quality of life. Hustle Her Hemp is the new Uprise.
0: For 25 years, the Black History 1 on 1 Mobile Museum has carried on the rich legacy of the Black Museum Movement in America by showcasing original artifacts of the Black experience at colleges, universities, K through 12 schools, corporations, libraries, conferences, and cultural events, making it the most traversed Black History mobile exhibit in American history. Dr. Khalid El-Hakim is the founder of the Black History 1 on 1 Mobile Museum and he is a highly sought after public speaker on topics of black history, social studies, education, museum studies, hip hop and race relations. Dr. Khalid was named among the change makers for NBC Universal's Erase the Hate campaign and listed as one of the 100 men of distinction for Black Enterprise. He recently founded the Michigan Hip Hop Archive on the campus of Western Michigan University. The Black History One-on-One Mobile Museum is currently scheduling in-person and virtual exhibits nationwide. For more information, please contact Dr. Khalid Al-Hakim directly at 313-645-4197. 313 645 4197 or visit their website at blackhistorymobilemuseum.com. That's blackhistorymobilemuseum.com. You can also email him at bhistory101 at yahoo.com. bhistory101 at yahoo.com.